Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I bring you greetings from your sister churches. That's right, you have a sister. In fact, you have 30 sister churches in a four-state region, and they all send their greetings to you here today. 8,700 worshipers in those 30 churches meeting at this very hour, raising up the name of Jesus and proclaiming his light to the lost. Would you welcome, please, today, my wife of 28 years, Lisa. She's here today. So, And it's very special for me to be able to introduce my godchild. This is Kristen and her son, Connor, here from Brighton, Colorado, today. So. My wife would have, you tell, have me tell you that she did not pick out my outfit, these shoes were my idea. They're not her idea. <laughs> so, uh, and this untucked shirt with the sport coat, you'll understand in a little bit. But uh, this is the 47th time I have preached this message. 20,000 people. Uh, that's right, the same sorry sport coat at 47 different churches. <laughs> we're going to have a good time today. My preaching style is like a teacher. It will be interactive. It won't be like anything perhaps you've ever heard before. There'll be nine different volunteers who are coming up front today to help me preach this message. I need you to interact, to stay engaged. If you don't, you will forget 70% of what I say by the end of your lunch hour and 90% by the time you wake up tomorrow morning. So you've got to interact to hear what I believe God is bringing for you today. Our topic is one word. It's the word called stewardship. Stewardship. Now, some of you think that is my way of dividing you from your wallet. Actually, that's not true. Stewardship is a broad biblical concept that is way more than your money, stuff, and things. Stewardship involves being a temporary manager. Please put your hand out like this, palm up. In your mind, picture God putting everything in your life in your hand for a brief while. You are a temporary manager of all those things he places in your hand, including your time, your talents, your treasures, your children, your grandchildren, your money, your stuff, your things, all those things God temporary places in your hand. You do not get to lock your fingers over the top of it with white knuckles holding on. Temporary stewards of everything God trusts you with. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 says, Now it is required of those who have been given a trust. That's you and me. We've all been given a trust in our hands, but we must prove faithful. Now, this is not a work. This is not a work so that you can earn your way to heaven. Stewardship is not a salvation issue. You are saved by grace through faith, period. This is a discipleship issue today. And every one of us who professes to be a Christian is a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of him. And he's going to teach us today about this topic we call stewardship. There'll be three main points, 
and a test at the end because after all, I am a school teacher. The first point is a biblical foundation of stewardship. And I'm going to ask my good friend here that I met for the very first time. He's a visitor here today as well. <laughs> Would you come up front? And, and is Jeremiah here as well? Somewhere. Jeremiah, where are you at? Is he working? Oh, thanks for volunteering, Jeremiah. So you two, you two come on up to these stairs and come on right up front. We are going to play Wheel of Fortune. That is correct. Wheel of Fortune in church. I am Vanna White and Pat Sajak. And uh, same paycheck, no big deal. But come on up here, guys. Let's welcome them up here today, okay? Just stand right here. The way Wheel of Fortune works is uh, you get free letters, R-S-T-L-N-E. I've already put them up on the board. You can see it on the screen or you can look up here. It's a four-word phrase that is the biblical foundation for stewardship, a four-word phrase. Now, you get one vowel and three consonants. That's all I'm going to tell you. So can you pick a vowel? A. A. Uh, mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing at all. I feel so bad. Actually, I don't feel bad. So that's, that's a, sorry, there being no, no A's up there, okay? No candy yet. And can you see valuable prizes will be given to all the volunteers? Uh, chocolate. So some of you are going, I'm going to volunteer. So do you pick a consonant, any consonant? In, what's that? B. B. You do. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you what, uh, you're not Raider fans, are you? Oh, 49er fans, that explains a lot. Okay, never mind, just kidding. I'm a Denver Bronco fan. I was born and raised in Denver. So uh, I'll give you a hint. The first word is a Sunday school answer. Not Jesus, but Oh, they cheated for you. Did you hear? Did you hear that? A G. Oh, G. You got that one. But the good news is there's another G right here. Okay, so we're getting closer. The rest of you out there should be trying to figure this out, interact with what the first point is. Uh, give me another consonant. D. D. Oh, wow. I don't know where you got that one from. That's really good. Okay, but that's all you got. I mean, so obviously the first word is God. Okay, you also get another O though. Are you figuring it out out there? Okay, do you think you could solve the puzzle? You want that chocolate bad, don't you? Okay, what do you think it is? God owns everything. Give him a hand. Well done, well done. Pick out your chocolate. And thanks for participating. It's so kind of you. Yeah, you're about 110 degrees right now. I'm telling you what. The first biblical foundation of stewardship is that God owns everything. Did you hear that? Let me put it to you Duck Dynasty style. You don't own Jack. Let me put it to you Montana Redneck style. You don't own Jack Diddley Squat. Nothing. Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. 
God owns the hills. He owns the antelope on top of the hills. He owns the mineral rights underneath the hills. You don't own anything. You're just a temporary steward of everything he trusts you with. Naked you came into the world. Naked you will depart. Okay? Are you getting my drift? There's never been a U-Haul behind a hearse. You don't get to take it with you. Everything good you have has been provided by God. The air that you breathe is his. You don't own the spit in your mouth. Everything good has come from him. That's a basic foundation. Until you figure that one out, you can't figure the rest of this stuff out. God owns everything. Not your bank, but God himself. The second point that I'm going to ask a couple volunteers here. Do you work on staff? Oh, that's so nice that you're getting paid to come up here. So come on up here. Yeah, good. Uh, how about this guy next to you, the guy with more hair than me? I'm a little jealous. So would you come on up here as well? Okay, is that okay? No, it's not okay. I don't care. Come on up here anyway. That's good. I need one more victim out there. Look around and uh, any more volunteers? Oh, it can definitely be your child. You're going to really like this one. Do you want to volunteer? Yes, Johnny. Okay, because I'm telling you, you may want to volunteer. Okay. All right, you can come right here. I don't know if it's showing up on the screen. Good, good. Boy, my fair forehead is shiny. I tell you what. Let's give him a big hand. Thanks for coming up here. Jesus tells a parable in the Bible about stewardship. A lot of Jesus' parables were about stewardship. Well, Jesus tells a story of a man who owned a lot of stuff who wanted to go on vacation to Hawaii. I think it says that in Matthew. I'm not real sure. Okay. But in Matthew, he says, this owner of a whole lot of stuff called together his managers. And he said, you don't own my stuff, but I want to go away for a while. I'm going to trust you with my stuff, and I just want you to manage it well. Be wise with what I trust you with. And to the first manager, he said, I, I'm going to give you five. So here's five for you. Okay, pretty good deal. But to whom much is given, much is required. Just because of the fact you were born in America means you have been given much. You have more than 95% of the world. But because you have been given much, much will be required and you get five. Good. To you, you get two. Now, you may say, oh, that's unfair. Well, actually, it's my stuff. I can do with it what I choose to do. Okay? Anybody who says that everybody in our world should have the same amount, it's not biblical. Okay? But you have requirements as well. Okay? To the third person, one. <laughs> everybody give me an aww. Oh. So sorry. You know where this is going, don't you? So man, uh, the owner goes away to Hawaii, has a great time. In the back of their minds, they're going, he's coming back sometime. He's coming back sometime. I know he's coming back. He said he's coming back. So they put it to good use. And the first person actually doubled the five. And now when the manager comes back, 
The owner, I mean, comes back, says, how did you do? And the first servant says, look, master, I have doubled what you trusted me. The five has now become 10. And the owner gives a handshake and says, well done, thou good and faithful steward. That is cool. Those are words that we all want to hear. To the next, who had two, she says, I too have doubled what you trusted me with. And the master gives the same handshake, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Excuse me. (laughs) The third person says, I was scared of you. I was fearful. I knew you were coming back. So what I did is I went and took your stuff and I just buried it in a hole under a rock. And the master says to this person, you wicked and lazy servant, takes the one from here, gives to the one who had the most, and then boots this one out. I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The second key word of the biblical foundation of stewardship is this word, accounting. We will all have to give an accounting for how we handled everything God trusted us with. Let's give these guys a big hand. Pick your chocolate. Pick your chocolate on the way back. Help yourself, okay? Good job. I have good news for you on this accounting, though. In God's realm, because I said this is not a salvation issue, this actually is a time when the accounting happens when rewards will be given. Now, I'm not telling you that you'll get a higher part of heaven or that you'll get more things. I'm not guaranteeing you that. The accounting and the rewards given in heaven, I believe, will be responsibilities because those who could handle things here on earth are being trained for what God is going to have you do in heaven for all eternity. God does not wipe your mind clean like a hard drive when you go to heaven. Your soul and spirit live on forever with him. And he is preparing you now for what he wants to do in all eternity for him. But you'll have to give an accounting. It is not a salvation accounting. That accounting occurred the instant of your death, heaven or hell. This second judgment is a reward-type system, and I want to hear the words from Jesus. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The third point. I've picked on five volunteers already. I saw them before the service. My five volunteers in the fourth row right here, why don't you come on up? Come on up, you chickens. I mean, you volunteers. You... Are you 49er fans? I hope not, because, Okay. <laughs> They are going to play Word Unscramble. Word Unscramble. You can just line up all five of you right here. Word Unscramble. Let's give them a big hand, okay? I give you each a word. You're going to hold this word up so that they can see it. And remember that they read from this side to that side. So you have to arrange yourself so that this phrase makes sense. 
Oh, he changed paper. That's great. You earn, spend less than. How are they doing so far? Okay. So move around. Okay. Oh, spend less than you earn. Give him a big hand. Done this 47 times, and you overachievers did it faster than any group across America. So pick your chocolate. You did good. Well done. Thank you. Pick your chocolate, and, and you are allowed to eat that in church. All right. God owns everything. We all will give an accounting. And the third point is to spend less than you earn. It's actually not a difficult concept to understand up here, but a difficult concept in America to live out. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about your mortgage, but on cars and boats and jet skis and, and credit cards and rent to own and all these different things that are thrown at us all the time, it is so tempting to live beyond our means. Spend less than you earn comes from Proverbs 22.7, where it says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. If you're involved in spending more than you earn, you're actually involved in something called slavery. And I want to encourage you to find a Dave Ramsey class, a Larry Burkett, he was from my era, there are other stewardship resources that will help you live within your means that will be a tremendous blessing for you and full of freedom if you get involved in that. I know I went straight from preaching into meddling, poked you right between the eyes. But as I traveled across America giving this lesson, People have given testimony of these three points. It will make a difference in your life. And in being a, discipleship, a disciple of Jesus Christ, of being a faithful steward with the trust that he has given you. Those three simple points. And now, here comes the test. Oh, the test. It actually is just one word. It's one word. It's one of the most misunderstood words in the Bible. This is a test to see if you actually believe the prior three points that I've just shared. This test is offensive to the world and confusing to many. But actually, this test called... Tithe is actually a tremendous blessing. Tithe means 10%. You are not giving back to God. Did you hear me? You are returning to God that which is already his. You're ret returning to God. It is a test of your trust. Can God truly take care of me? You mean I'm going to give up 
Can he truly take care of me? Can he grow the other 90%? It's a difficult concept for some people to wrap their minds around. But there are people who show victory in their life because they understand this entirely. Some of you are saying, now wait a minute, this knucklehead from Montana, he is bringing into us an Old Testament concept. Well, let's go to the Old Testament. Let's see what it says about that. But then I will show you where Jesus carried it into the New Testament. Here we go. Malachi 3, having a conversation between God and the people, a two-way conversation where they talk back and forth. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Uh-oh. God goes on, return to me and I will return to you. Other places in scripture, it says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. The only place in scripture where you're allowed to test God is in stewardship, your money, stuff, and things, time, talents, and treasures. Specifically, your tithes and your offerings. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. There is a difference between a tithe and an offering. A tithe goes to the storehouse. In Old Testament times, the storehouse could be the tabernacle, the tent, the temple later on. In New Testament times, which you're now living in, the storehouse is exactly where you're sitting. The storehouse is the place where you serve, commune, pray, sing. The storehouse is right here. Bring 10% into the storehouse. Return unto God that which is already his. But it's not the same as an offering. An offering goes outside the storehouse. A tithe is non controlled. A tithe goes to the storehouse and you give up control. Now they have to answer for how they use it to God himself. But an offering you can put strings on. The average Jew of Jesus' day gave 10% tithe, 10% offering. In our modern day, offerings would be the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, any missionary that you know, the backpacks that you're packing. Those different things are offerings. Tithe here to the storehouse, offering to wherever God leads you. Jesus carried the concept of tithes and offerings into the New Testament. When he was beating up on the Pharisees once again, he said, you knucklehead Pharisees. I think it says that in a different translation. I'm not sure. He said, you, you tithe your mints and your herbs and your spices. 
But you neglect the weightier issues like mercy and justice and those types of things. Jesus then says, you should not neglect the former. Don't neglect the tithes and offerings. But also do the justice and mercy and all those kind of things. Interesting. The number one fight my parents had while I was growing up was over how much they were going to give. Mom was a giver. Dad was not. And there are no secrets in a home. I knew the tension. I listened in the other room through the walls. And it was Battle Royale World War III. Ladies, if you will do what my mother did for your husband, it will be brilliant and God will honor it. Approach your husband like my mother approached my dad, my stubborn, tight-fisted, white-knuckled dad. She said, we'll give whatever you want to give. Whatever you want to give, let's give it happily. She said, and if it works this year, next year, could you help me? And my dad's like, huh? Next year, could you help me? And could next year, if it works this year, could we give just 1% more? And, and I could hear my dad through the walls go, fine. <laughs> so the first year, they gave 2%. It was not a tithe, but it was given with great joy. The average American today gives away 2.9% of their income. Guess how much the average Christian American gives away today? 2.9% of their income. It's the truth. But dad said, we'll give two this year, and it worked. And the next year, he was a man of his word, and they gave away three. And the year after that, four. And the snowball started going downhill, so the year after that, he, he jumped a point and gave away six. But something was happening in my dad. He was giving up control, putting his trust in God Almighty that God would provide. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And my father today is the type of man who drove up into the driveway of my nephew with muscular dystrophy and threw him the keys to a fully paid for handicapped van. And he's doing stuff like that behind the scenes where nobody notices all the time. A victory for Jesus on what this means to be a good and faithful steward. 2 Corinthians says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, those words have been taken out of context. And people will promise you a Porsche if you write out your tithe check to the church. I'm not one of those. I'm not preaching prosperity. Oh, God will bless you when you give, but he'll bless you with things that have eternal value, not your Porsche. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He will provide those in abundance. He promises to those who walk in his spirit with him. Keep going. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not as if your pastor had your arm behind your back and was twisting it up there farther. You give what you and God have decided you will give, not under compulsion. For who does God love? What kind of action does God love? God loves a cheerful giver. Give with great joy. And you know what? This is called wise grace. This New Testament concept, wise grace. It is full of grace. It doesn't hold to the letter of the law, the 10%. Actually, it blows the top off and it says, hey, for you really cheerful people, don't stop at 10. Don't stop at 10. The requirement is is much greater under grace than it is under the law. It's to blow open the doors of generosity so that that can be used to reach a lost and dying world for him. I was at a large church in Idaho where my wife and I met at Northwest Nazarene College. Greatest gift he gave me from college was not my education, it was my wife. And the the treasurer of our church came up to me one day, which I thought was kind of different. He said, "Uh, can we have a meeting? I'd like to meet with you this week. And I was like, am I in trouble? And he said, no, I just want to talk to you. And I said, great. So we went out to wherever we went out. And he said to me, I just have one question for you. Why do you write your tithe check out to the penny? And I said, what? He said, yeah, X number of dollars and 38 cents. You're the only one in this church who writes it out to 38 cents. And I thought about it and I thought, "Mm, I'm not going to give God a penny more. I was a law abider, but not a graceful, wise giver who gave gave under great joy. And, And so my wife and I, through the help of a guy named Larry Burkett, uh, tried to apply those principles, and a neighbor, two doors down, took us under their wings and kind of discipled us and mentored us. Uh, This church should be full of mentors who are looking around for younger people to bring under the fold and to say, how can we help you with this? And the day we decided to hold on like this, and to give as generously as we could was a turnaround day in our spiritual lives. And we have not been in want since. Before that time, we kind of did God leftovers. Even though the Bible says that the tithe is a first fruit, we did leftovers Kind of the junk for Jesus type thing. Okay? Yeah, we paid the bill, we did the fun, we, uh, we did the house, and whatever was left over at the month, we'd have a little meeting, a two-person meeting, and decide what we were going to give. But these people who mentored us said, no, you got it backwards. Give God from the first part, the very best of what you have. Give it from the first part. 
And people in here are going, wait a minute. How does that work? I don't have enough every month. I knew that pastor wanted me here to just because of money. Actually, that's not what God wants from you. Money is only a spiritual indicator. God wants your everything. He wants your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If he gets your money, he typically gets all those other things. Isn't that interesting? Fascinating how that works. And so my wife and I said, okay, uh, we're going to trust God. And we gave from the first fruit. And he has grown and grown and grown that abundantly. And today we give testimony of all that he has provided us with. I told you this was going to be a different day. <laughs> I hope you never forget it. Would you just do me a favor and bow your heads? Everybody bow your head. And why don't you just have a moment between you and God? A moment talking about what you might have heard today from him. And I'm asking you to respond to what he is asking you to do. Whatever it takes. Perhaps it's that God owns everything. Or to get ready for the accounting. Or to spend less than you earn. Or maybe it's this issue of tithes and offerings. And returning to God that which is already his. As every head is bowed and all eyes are closed, nobody looking around, I want to give an opportunity for anybody here today who wants to become a Christian. Perhaps God's been knocking at your door and today's the day where you want to open up the door and let him in. As all heads are bowed, is there anybody here today who would like to pray with me just asking God to become the boss of your life. If so, would you just raise your hand? I will not point you out in front of other people. But does anybody here want to become a Christian today? And if so, would you just raise your hand? Best decision you will ever make. An eternal decision. I understand this church has ways for you to grow in your faith now, that you can connect with other people in the lobby and they'll give you next steps of how to walk with Jesus from here. I'll ask your pastor to come forward now. He's gonna close in prayer with you. And you can look around now. And I wanna thank you for putting up with this Denver Bronco fan today. Keep the faith, okay?